In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Blessed feast to you today. It's a great feast. The, the river Jordan rejoices. The trees are praising God. The fish are dancing. The mountains are leaning over. Creation rejoices. The Son of God has come to sanctify all creation today. So we rejoice in this great moment in, uh, in the church year. Uh, we have come from Christ's birth to his baptism and then to our own baptisms. We really begin to see how this, we're connected in this way. Um, at first he comes uh, simply as a babe. And then he's revealed as the son of God in the Jordan River. And then we are able, through our own baptism, to participate in this very sanctification. Not only that we can see this baby born, see the Son of God revealed, but actually participate in this life, this sanctified life in holy baptism. So um, today we should rejoice in that, not simply because it's uh, an event that we celebrate, which we certainly do, but it's an event we participate in through our own baptism. Those very waters that Christ stepped into and sanctified are the very waters that we're baptized into. The grace of redemption, the blessing of the Jordan, the sanctification of souls and bodies. This is what we participate in, in our baptism. So we need to rejoice in that. Uh, for God did not come to show us himself, but to bring us to himself. It wasn't enough to show himself. It was to bring us to him. So today we rejoice in our unity with Christ, that we're unified with him. We've been baptized into Christ and we're uni united to Christ. So, beloved, you need to understand this. You're never alone. You're never alone. You're never alone. Never. Sometimes feel alone. You're never alone. God is always with you. He is your helper. No one helps you like he does. No one helps you like he does. He is the giver of help. He helps the helpless. He's the hope of the hopeless. So, we need to rejoice today. We're not alone. God is always our helper. Even if we feel distant, we need to understand our faith teaches us that we're not alone and He is always helping us. 24-7, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, year after year, and it never ends unto eternity. So what a blessing today. So if this is the case, then our reference point needs to be that we seek him, seek him, seek his advice, seek him always first. Uh, 
do we need to see and hear from him? To see and hear from God in regard to our own life, in regard to what's in front of us, in regard to the things that are troubling us, the things that are, that are tough decisions that we need to make. We need to seek Christ first. I was talking yesterday to someone, and I've said this before, the lady that comes to the priest with a troubling situation in her family says, I've gone to the doctors, I've gone to the psychiatrists, I've gone to uh, all my friends, I've gone to experts, I've gone to the internet. And the priest says, have you prayed about it? And she says, don't tell me it's come to that. First, 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 first. Christ first. Not second, third, fourth, or fifth. We need to understand that we reference him first. Our mind is focused on him. It's first, first on him. So, if we are to see and hear from God, then that's one of my favorite verses in the Sermon on the Mount. Favorite passages is in, in uh, Matthew chapter 7. It's so encouraging to us. He says this to us. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds, and he who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man, if among you has his son asked for bread, will give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? For if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good things to those who ask of him. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. The golden rule. For This is the law and the prophets. So the Lord gives us this encouragement to ask, seek, and knock. To ask, seek, and knock. And to do it earnestly. It's not just enough to just pray for something. It's not just enough to ask it. It's not just enough to seek it or to kind of not. It's to do it earnestly. Like you have something very precious that you've lost. Something that you desperately need. That's how you come to God. To ask, seek, and knock with an earnest desperation. And what's he do? He receives, you find, and it's open. Now, this may not take, this may not be instantaneous. In fact, most of the time it's not. It may be a prayer or a desire of yours that you're asked for a long period of time. Let me share a story with you. Um, in my many uh, mistakes in life, uh, <laughs> I offended a lady one time. Um, I was at a baseball game, and I said something I shouldn't have said. Okay. And I apologized to her, but somehow it, we didn't really connect with the forgiveness. So I prayed for her. I still pray for her every day. I said, Lord, something, do something. Help me here. Because I know this is not, gonna, it's not an easy thing. 
So I asked and I asked, I saw it, I saw it, and I knocked and I knocked. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So one day, I was driving uh, on uh, La Cumbra Road. If you remember La Cumbra Road before the stoplight was in, you couldn't make a left turn. If you were on that road going along La Cumbre and you were coming off the freeway and turning left, you, you had to wait forever. Well, I was in one of those very rare, generous moods that day for some reason. And so I came up to this. I was on the, the, the street that went through. So I decided when I came to that moment that I was going to stop and let the next car go. I stopped and let the next car go. Guess who was in that car? She was. And we caught eyeball to eyeball. And she looked at me and said, kind of thank you. What a moment. Ask, seek, knock. With earnestness. With a desire to have that fulfilled. That's a powerful thing for us to know. We can see and hear from God. We can ask earnestly. Approach God with hope. He's going to answer these things. Now, according to his will, because we don't know what's best. We even pray in the liturgy that we would receive communion into the, unto the individual need of each. That we, we even when we take communion, it's to what we need, according to God. So it's his will that we always try to engage here. So we seek earnestly his will. Earnestly, we lay our desire before him and seek his will. So this becomes very important to us and uh, critical for us to understand this idea of being near to God, being uh, close to God in our baptism and seeking him, asking and knocking. But we have to understand that we can't go there as uh, we hear in the epistle today, Paul's letter to Titus. He says to Titus, uh, and to live sober, upright, godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. So we need to be purified. We can't just seek, ask, seek, and find. We need a pure conscience. God's, you know, the Holy Spirit resides in man's conscience. The trouble, other things reside there too. That's why God says you need to purify your conscience from dead works so that God can speak to you. The Holy Spirit can manifest himself in you. If our conscience is all clouded up with stuff, we can't hear from God. Let's read what St. Paul says uh, to the Hebrews, 9, 13, and 14. For if the blood of bulls and goats and, ash, and, and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifies and purifies the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offer himself without spot to God, urging your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. Purge your conscience. 
You know, I tell you, when I look at my conscience, it's all muddled up. It's muddled up with selfishness, with anger, with greed, with envy. You name it. It's in there. It's muddled up with present concerns, uh, future anxieties, with past hurts. How does God get there? With all that stuff in there, how does God speak to us? We need to purify our conscience. And he says it's, we can sprinkle it clean in our baptism. We are sprinkled clean with the use of holy water. We're sprinkled clean in confession to get our conscience clear. So when God wants to speak to us, we can hear him. Not muddled up with all these things, not, not making decisions based on anger, past hurts, anxieties. Purify your conscience from dead works that you may serve the living God. That's why it has to be purified. That's why it's a very important thing to go to confession, to get this stuff out of you. So that when God wants to speak, you can hear him. So it's very important to us to understand these things. We don't want our conscience to be blunted to that which is from God that is good and to be blunted from those things that are wrong and somehow just numbed to them. I think we see a society today that's numbed in their conscience. They just don't get that things that are wrong and hurting the soul our need to be corrected. So we need to understand the importance of a pure conscience. And we need to pray that, that this world understands the need for a pure conscience. Because it is muddled up by these selfish uh, desires, these prideful desires. So may God help us be purified in our confession in, in our communion, the blood of Christ cleansing our conscience from dead works. Uh, there's one other thing that's important in, in regard to seeing and hearing from God that I want to mention and conclude with. And that is, you need to have a word from God confirmed by another. You know, one of the first tenets of the spiritual life is to distrust yourself. Distrust yourself. Does that sound hard? Harsh? It's good. It's a good thing. He who has chosen himself or herself as a spiritual father or mother has chosen a fool. <laughs> I see a lot of yes. I don't, I don't manage myself as well as I should. You know, we were at a conference one time. This was very interesting to me. There was a monk uh, priest there. And they asked him what he felt would be an important uh, exercise or uh, a, a qualification for the priesthood. And he said, I think a priest, before he becomes a priest, should spend one year in a monastery. And he said, because he needs to learn the mystery of obedience. The mystery 
mystery of having somebody over you, having somebody you can trust, having somebody you submit your thoughts and your desires and your life to. There's a beautiful mystery that comes together there. Uh, and so we need that. We need to understand that not only do we see and hear from God, not only do we need to purify our conscience, but we also need to have someone in our life that can help direct us, help guide us. So those things are important to us. And may God bless us today.